0: I think sometimes we get suckered into thinking we can only serve academic audiences. And I think that's not true. I mean, I think there is an entire world out there who could benefit from people's teaching, people's research, people's ability to translate complex concepts. Um, there is a whole world of people out there that who are not academics and who could really use what we do.
1: We are back again with another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today, we have Dr. Lisa Monroe. We had an amazing conversation. One thing that I loved about her path is that it's kind of atypical. So she was in the Peace Corps um, and was doing work um, down in Latin America. And she specifically ran into a lot of issues, um, you know, in the in the country that she was in, and wanting to really give back and study why, 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 why this was happening, right? So what does she do? PhD. Why not go into the academy? When she finished, here's what I thought was interesting is she, instead of going um, the adjunct route, she said, look, I'm going to give it a couple years to become a full-timer, but nope, I'm not going to do the part-time like gig at all. And so from that point, she basically starts to take temp jobs and decides to leave, um, the, basically leave the pursuit of the tenure track position. So a lot of her journey reflects making those decisions, which I think w- is very powerful, um, because, it, because it's not a typical, um, path to make that, you know, bold claim that, no, I'm not going to settle for part time. So she, uh, a big theme of our conversation is about asking yourself how you want your life to look and what that entails. And so by her starting a blog and really looking at what she was successful in grad school, she was able to start a business. And we even get into talking about the languaging of, you know, what do you call yourself? Do you feel like an academic? And she's been using the term non-academic. I don't know. I just found this, this conversation fascinating. And she also represents this, um, the academic, you know, in a business running an academic business. So we really dive into that, which is something I hadn't actually considered up until this point. So it's a great conversation. We may even be splitting this into two parts because we had about an hour conversation on money. So it'll be interesting to see how Derek wants to chop this puppy up. But either way, you guys are going to get the meat of it. And so let's just dive right in. Today's episode, we have Dr. Lisa Monroe. I am so excited to have her on. We were we've been chit chatting. She's currently in Mexico. And I ran my business for Mexico for months for four months last year. So lots of lots of idiosyncrasies uh, being in that country and being on live phone calls. <laughs> so I'm so glad she's here. She's got great Wi Fi. Uh, and there's no roosters in the background. So I think we're good, at least for the moment. <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> and if we joy if we have one, that'll be great. <laughs> awesome. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, thanks. thanks so much for having yeah. me. I really I'm very excited to do this today. I'm just excited to learn more about you. This is so. This is my the joy of me doing this is I see these awesome people online, and then they book a podcast episode, and I'm like, yes, I get to learn Lisa's whole backstory, um, <laughs> which I'm just stoked about. So let's jump into that then, Lisa. So let's hear a little bit about your academic background. Give us that CV in a nutshell, if you will. All right. Tell us what you studied, uh, where you were employed at any given time, if you want. So any any points of the journey of your academic. Life, you want to share? Okay. So,
0: the short nutshell version is that I have a PhD in history. I studied Latin American history at the University of Arizona. I graduated in 2015. I went on the academic job market a couple times and mm-hmm. got absolutely nowhere. So I thought, yeah. okay, like what next? And um, yeah, here I am.
1: <laughs> that was a good... Th- that might have been the fastest one we've had. Um, I love it because I just did an interview yesterday and we had this random historical fact and I was like, you know, I need to get a PhD. I need to get a historian on here. And like, here you are. <laughs> Ta-da. Um, so that episode, I believe you'll, yours will probably come right after it. But um, anyways, that's really fun. So great. So that's the quick version. Um, So I'd love to hear what you studied and maybe any experiences you had teaching or anything you want to tap into about the academy, um, about, you know, your experience. Okay.
0: so the, the slightly longer version is that I was a Peace Corps volunteer. In Guatemala, mm. so I was there. I was in Guatemala in 2004 to 2006, mm. and so that experience that was really life changing on a lot of levels. And I, I wanted to understand the things I saw there. Um, if you know nothing else about Guatemala, you should know it has it had um, the longest running civil conflict in the Americas during the Cold War. Mm. So 1960 to 1966, um, people were living under conditions of dictatorship and state violence. So when I was there in 2004 to 2006, people were just starting, it was a very, it's still very early in the, in the, the post-war period. And so people are still trying to figure out, like, what does it, how do you, how do you live with, with the legacy of state-sponsored violence? How do you Mm -hmm. how do you rebuild your life? How do you rebuild your family's life? I mean, everybody I met had this horrible story to tell me like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, my my husband left for to go take care of the cornfield one day and never came back. I Mm -hmm. I still don't know what happened to him. So people Mm -hmm. had these had these very serious stories to tell me. And so I wanted to understand that. Um, I wanted to understand racism. I wanted to understand violence against Native peoples. I wanted to understand trauma. I wanted to understand all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. So I thought, okay, I'll go to graduate school. So so many years later, I have a PhD in that. So my research was really on the... um, on the period before that, kind of the, how do we, how did we get to this, this part about state sponsored violence, what created those conditions. And so I really focused on the, the 1930s period, um, and focused a lot on tourists coming from the U S tourists and and anthropologists and travelers uh in different ways and how those people created stereotypes that later I, I argue put native peoples in the crosshairs of, of state sponsored violence. So that was, that was my research. It was, it was hard and it was really challenging, but I I felt really called to do that. But mm. lamentably, um, historians of Central America are somehow not in hot demand on the academic job market. So um, I felt like it was really a personally gratifying experience. Um, if mm-hmm. I had to do it again, you know, the, um, yeah, maybe I would have studied something else or maybe I would have
1: ended at the master's level. I'm not sure, but mm. that's that's what I ended up doing. So that's interesting so then my question for you then is at what point were you like realizing on the academic job market we could talk a little bit about that actually i don't think we've actually had a guest really get into that experience of what it's like to put yourself out there wait a year put yourself out there again and what it's like trying to do part-time work or, or whatever so if you want to kind of kind of tell us how you got to where you are now as far as like running a business having we were talking about having a day job um, and that kind of stuff so if you can kind of shed some light on that. Mm-hmm.
0: So I was on the academic job market, um, 2014 and 2015, 2014, Mm -hmm. I sent out a bunch of applications and I was shortlisted for two jobs. Mm -hmm. So great. So I went to my annual meeting and I did these job interviews and I heard nothing. And -hmm. then in 2015, I sent out a whole bunch of job applications and heard nothing, like literally received not even anything, like nothing, nothing, nothing happened. And Really, the academic job market at that point, I was like, okay, so how much longer am I going to stick this out? How much longer do I keep holding out hope that the nearly impossible is going to happen? And other people, people make choices for all kinds of different reasons. For myself, I was not going to adjunct. That's just the the lineage in the sand. Like I will okay. not, I will not do this. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I don't. It, other people have to make that choice for different reasons, and and I'm yep. not criticizing anyone who does that because people have complex motivations. But for yep. me personally, I did not want to. I did not want to do that. So I thought, well, what can I do instead if I if I'm not getting any joy in the academic job market? Mm-hmm. And and at that point, I had just graduated. My student, I was mm-hmm. getting these frightening emails from my student yeah. loan lenders because
1: yeah.
0: yeah. student debt is another huge, huge topic that nobody really yeah. wants to talk about. So I was getting these really frightening emails. Um, in the meantime, um, yeah, I had I had no job, and I thought, oh my god, like this is. A, like, do I move back in with my parents? Like, what do I what do I, do? I don't know. So I was always kind of that person who in my graduate cohort, people were like, I was always a good writer. And people were like, hey, like, can you read this? Can you help me with this? Mm. Um, so I was always kind of the writing and editing person in my program. And I thought, okay, like, I've got some skills, and I'm yeah. going to start doing this. So I started... Doing editing for academics, and that I was living in Mexico at the time, as well. Then, as well, I finished writing my dissertation in Mexico and I, I just stayed there after I finished. So, I w- had low cost of living. But mm-hmm. when you're just starting a business, like there are a lot of times when you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't have the cash flow. <laughs> like, I'm not going to make it. Like, how is this ever possibly going to work? So, I, at one point I went back to the States, I got a day job. So, and my day job was in crime victim advocacy, which is kind mm. of heavy for a day job. Um, mm-hmm. I look back on it and I'm like, maybe I should have been a waitressing. Like that would have been like a better day job, but <laughs> little cleaner. a little, yeah, yeah less messy. Um, yeah. So I was going, so I was a law enforcement based victim advocate. So this means that I was going out with law enforcement to these crime scenes and talking to people about what had just happened to them. And this could be anything from, um, this could be anything from suicide. This could be stabbing. This could be homicide. This could be domestic violence. This could be child abuse. This could be um, sexual violence. This could be, I mean, a- any and all kinds of crimes against persons. So I was going out on these crime scenes with people and being like, okay, like. Hi, are you having the worst day of your life and something horrible has happened to you? Like, here, let's talk about it. And I'll talk to you about your next mm-hmm. steps. Talk to you about kind of like how, you, how you're how you going to get through today and how you're going to get through tomorrow and how you're going to start getting through your next days. And then also... Um, helping walk people through the criminal justice system because people mm. a lot of times like they don't understand how it works it's it's baffling it's, it it yeah. makes it makes no sense and and laws yep. are different in all different kinds of places so um yeah, like Colorado, for example, which is where I was working, um, has a mandatory arrest in case of domestic violence. And so you'd have oh, to wow. explain that to people like, OK, like maybe you don't want this perpetrator, your perpetrator arrested. But because this is domestic violence, you no longer have that choice. You don't get mm-hmm. to make that decision. And so I, I would explain that to people. I would explain people's rights to people like what are their next steps, that kind of stuff. So that was my day job. And that had to be heavy as a day job. So I decided, so I left that job in November and I thought, okay, like I am, I am now self-employed. This is what I'm doing. So at the same time, I decided I needed to kind of widen what I was doing from just editing. And I decided to do something that I felt like was more heart centered and more creative. Mm -hmm. So I decided I wanted to be supporting people in their writing in different ways. So I decided I was going to be doing writing retreats, and I was going to be doing mm-hmm. um, writing coaching as well. So those are those are kind of my new things that I have in development.
1: I love that. So I, I so I it's really important for me on the podcast to really dive into um, or like pick apart those early moments of figuring out that that was possible. So can you trace back anything? Because I I I'm, I find that the more people I interview, um, we, you know, and this is just how the internet works, right? But like, we're Googling one day and all of a sudden we see somebody and it's inspirational. And so we're like, oh, I could do that. Is there anything that you could be like, I witnessed or I saw or I, you know, experienced this or I had a friend who, you know, did was doing this online. So I saw that it was possible. Where did you really make that connection about like running an online business? So for me, I had to really think about what I wanted to um,
0: I had I had to go really deep personally. I had to really think mm. about. What are my what do I value? What do I care about? Because yep. that I was I was I felt like I was really living this life that didn't really reflect who I was. And I was like, mm. okay, if this is not reflecting who I am, what do I need to do to figure out who I am? And then create something that is going to reflect that. So I did a lot of those kind of values assessments, really thinking about like, you know, what do career counselors always want you to do? Like, oh my God, what's mm-hmm. your ideal day? You know, I did all yep. this like really cheesy like self-development stuff and i i thought yeah i thought being um yeah being creative is really important to me and mm-hmm. so is serving people that's always mm-hmm. been a part of what i do and then also mm-hmm. um helping people get through on my on my own personal blog i've been blogging my for my, my ah, business. So
1: okay. I so have that's, a blog. A, that's a seed. Yeah. Yes, so, the yes, blog, yes. so
0: the blog was about, the blog started out when I started doing the blog, I thought I was going to give people like these pithy little pieces of writing advice, like use less passive voice and use, <laughs> use more active verbs. And as it turns out, that is not what people wanted or what people needed. Mm, what people wanted uh-huh. and needed was to feel better about themselves as writers. Yeah. Oh, huge. So oftentimes, my clients, my editing clients, they didn't so much need writing advice. They needed to feel better. Yep. So yep. the blog started. So I started b- blogging about really my own writing process. And I would write mm. these things that were like, oh,
1: my God, I'm so mired in shame about my writing. And people were like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, me too. Me too. And I was like, what? Was this during grad school? Like, so as you're as you're kind of. Or, or was it after or this before? was after so this after, was after cool. so I really I was like brand new at
0: blogging and I was like why would people listen to me like what do people need like I was uh-huh. really trying to figure out that kind of thing like how am I going you were the writer in your department yep. so
1: that's where it links up to okay got it yeah
0: exactly so um so I found that people what people really need they need to feel better and then they need mm-hmm. to just know that they're not alone People really mm-hmm. need. People, writing is lonely. I tell mm-hmm. my I tell my clients a lot. Writing is lonely because it's this really it's this really intense encounter with the self. It's this really yes. it's just you and your thoughts and a blinking cursor. And that for a lot of people is really terrifying. So and terrifying. people And people just can't do that. Like they they freeze up or they're like, oh my god, I can't do this. Or they'll procrastinate or they'll binge mm-hmm. write. Or you know, people do a lot of different. There's a lot of writing dysfunction that comes out sure. of the fact that people just can't sit and like have that really intense experience. So what I found was that the more social I made writing for people and the more opportunities hmm. I gave people to connect with me and then connect with other writers, like the the happier people were, like people yep. felt better. So yep. right now the tagline on my website is... Um, more writing, greater joy, because I really oh, genuinely I that. believe that. I, I think yep. that getting ideas out into the world, I mean, it's like any creative process, it's hard. Of course, it's hard. Like there's yeah. struggle. Of course, there's struggle. Yeah. It's painful. It's, it's messy. It's one of the most
1: vulnerable things you could do. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult, yeah.
0: but that doesn't mean that it's not creative. It's not joyful. It's not thrilling. Mm. It's not. It's not exciting. Like, you know, I mean, birth, birth of a- in any shape or form, it's it's both of these things, right? It's yeah, hard on yeah. one hand, but then it's also really amazing and can be really joyful on the other hand. So I want to, and I think we talk a lot about how hard writing is and it is, yep. but I think we also don't acknowledge a lot of times that like, yeah, the creative process is pretty damn great. And this is mm-hmm. why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that was kind of where I came from. And that's really where the blog is going now is towards, um, I think I've, I've had my dark night of the soul where I wrote a lot about (laughs) shame. I wrote a lot about grief. Mm -hmm. I wrote a lot about Mm -hmm. trauma. I wrote a lot about all kinds of really dark stuff. And now I think I'm coming out of that. And I think I'm going towards community, creativity, and joy.
1: Mm. I love it. This is so cool. So Lisa, I, um, Dr. Kat Malinsky was a couple episodes ago. um, Well, episodes out in the world. So I don't know. We're on like 20 now, but you're going to be like who knows, like 30 or something. But um, she was my dissertation coach. And um, I so and it, it was a great conversation that we had, because I think her work is so huge. And I loved that I got to interview her because we haven't talked since I graduated, like until and since I finished my dissertation, which it sounds like we finished around the same time I was December of 2015. Um, but there I I loved my dissertation process and I, there's very few grad students that I talk to that say it was a a great experience. And I, you know, I, I credit it to her, but I also credit it to me asking for knowing me asking for support and going and finding it. Um, But the, the program that she was a part of, she was a, she was um, she now has her own independent uh, kind of coaching business, but before she was in this other program, And the whole component of it was a a social writing together every Monday through Friday. It was like, I want to say it was 5 a.m. Pacific since I was in Pacific time to like 11 a.m. or something like that. So it hit kind of just the morning. It might've been earlier. It might've been like 10 a.m. But we would commit every week on this document of what time we would show up, what we were working on. And we had this whole, we were tracking everything. And it was, and there were two kind of, Coaches in the process who were there with us. They'd start a Zoom, not a Zoom call, because I don't even think Zoom was around. It probably was like Skype or GoToMeeting or something. And it was like uh, we showed up and they would message us if we didn't show up when we said we were going to be there. And it was this huge, like, beautiful community thing. And we would check in with each other and they would do camera time. And I loved it. And I've been trying to recreate that, if I'm being honest, in my non-academic life. But there's still a bunch of writing I do, obviously, as an entrepreneur. There's so much creation. But that, I think that the community part and then having a coach, exactly what you're bringing up, telling me that I'm not crazy, that, um, my work is great, that, you know what I mean? And, and just supporting me in that, in the mental and emotional anguish (laughs) when you're like (laughs) trying to get through that, that thing. Um, so I, you know, part of me is just like wanting to reflect back to you. Like this is something that's totally missing in the Academy, right? It's such an isolating experience to be a grad student, um, because it's all about, you know, do you have, can you make it or not? Right. Or something. It's kind of like, it's like, you have to show yourself, prove yourself. Um, but don't ask for help because why would you do that? Right. Like your advisor (laughs) probably didn't have help. Right. Like, so you get all, we get all up in our head about it. So I love what you're doing because, um, I think it's just, first of all, it's so needed. Is your typical, um, you know, client avatar or whatever. Is it a grad student? Is it someone on the tenure track? Is it is it outside of the academy too? Like, do you have a specific market? You know, I have been doing a little bit
0: of. So, I graduate students often um, come to me because they mm. are they're not getting enough advising. They're not getting no, enough help. Not at all. Um, yep. They're not going to the writing center. They're not. Nope. I mean, so this is this is, and they need help they need help they need and help. they need writing yep. support I'm yep. also supporting um, early career researchers because those people need a lot ah. of help too they, they're they kind of early faculty or maybe their tenure track and they're not too sure about the writing yet and they're mm-hmm. you know trying to deal with this absolutely crushing and punishing yep. load of publishing that yep. they have to do to keep moving yep. forward and that is it's, it's kind of soul sucking and it's kind of really yeah. hard so I have a mix of both I actually gave over the weekend I did my very first online writing retreat. And I, I saw am, that. I wanted to oh talk to you about it. I'm yeah. Tell us still, about, about how it went. I'm still on a high from this. Aww, it was unbelievable. Awesome. It was unbelievable. So, at one point, so I did this through um, some coaching calls. And then I did, uh, I had a Slack group. And Perfect. so we started, I think we did 10 a.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. And we had, I think we had fif- between 40 and 50 people writing along Mm -hmm. at any time. And there were people were amazing. People were asking for support and receiving support. People were supporting each other. People were like, I'm going to do some yoga so I can keep writing. And people were like, awesome, do that. Um, People were leading Pomodoro sessions. People were cheering each other on. People were, you know, like people who were struggling were like, hey, I'm really struggling with this or I'm feeling really frustrated. Like, what do you recommend I do? And people, oh my God, people had massive victories people finished dissertation chapters, people finished conference presentations. Somebody told me they dealt with a really complicated research problem on a project that they hadn't worked on in years. Mm, And I was like, Oh my God, like this is huge. This is amazing. And so, and people got stuff done in community and like, that was the thing. And it was so, it was so wonderful to see. And I'm still getting email from people who are like, Oh my God, I, I met all these people in, at the writing retreat and now we're, we have this writing group and we're still getting writing done. Amazing. So it's, it's, I mean, it's just the gift that keeps giving. Like this morning Mm -hmm. I did, um, I run these very short shut up and write sessions on Twitter Mm. on Tuesday. And so I just kind of put it out there. Hey, I'm going to shut up and write anybody else out there. um, And it's become a thing. And people it. in 50 minutes, people are oftentimes like, holy crap, I just wrote 700 words. Like, yep, that's mm-hmm. what happens yep. when you write for re- in a really focused way in community. And that's yep. not how we typically write. Like, we're all nope. kind of suckered into thinking that we have to do the Hemingway model. Like, you have to be like <laughs> writing like alone over a typewriter, you know, and there's probably like mm-hmm. some booze involved. And I don't know. Oh, it's all very, it's all very isolating. Like, Yeah, nobody gets writing done like that. We all think we're going to and that's not how it ever works for people. And when that doesn't work for people, people feel shame. They feel very yep. ashamed of themselves because they can't yep. make that work but it's impossible to make that work so why not make it really social and make it really fun like my the people on my writing retreat we were oh my god at one point we were exchanging playlists like we were talking oh, that's great we, we had long conversations about snacks when we weren't writing because that's important Um yeah it was just it was such a great experience for I think everybody involved and I'm, I'm hoping to do it again in maybe a month or so I'm not quite
1: sure yet but I'm definitely doing it again because it was amazing. It sounds awesome. So tell me a little bit since we're kind of in this, then tell me a little bit about like your income streams. So my first question is, was it a paid um, event that you that you hosted for people?
0: Yeah, so I did this for free. Awesome. So this was um, it, it was kind of public service. Like I really believe in doing a lot of free stuff. Yeah. I think I've found as an entrepreneur, like, you know, you want to have paid products, but then you also and, and services, but you also need to do a lot of free stuff. Yeah. Um, you need to be, people need to like get in, I mean, oh my God, just to not to delve into business jargon too much, but you, you do have like this funnel and, Mm -hmm. you know, you get people into that. You get people kind of like in your thing by doing all this free stuff. And so I do a lot of free stuff for people. I've done free email classes. I did, um, I just made this, um, I made this thing for people to download called the do it yourself writing retreat in a box. Oh, great. So that was a lot of fun. So it's like a workbook that just has that just really kind of like walks you through, like if you wanted to have a writing retreat and you just somehow don't have access to an Italian villa or like some (laughs) windswept cliff somewhere like near your house, like how would you, how would you engineer a writing retreat yourself? Mm -hmm. Um, and you can totally do that. So I talk a lot about, um, you know, how do you make community? How do you find your writing people? Um, you know, how do you block out time? Like how do you achieve focus? So I put together kind of this workbook that talks about that and people were thrilled. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. Now we're now we're talking about retreats and now you're on my free retreat. And then I'm running like a full, like the real deal, mm. um in in um July. July. And run in person or virtual. It's a it's an in-person, in-person. deal. So cool. I'm I'm running a writing re- I rented a house in Medida and I thought, nice. you know, like yeah. People are going to come oh, that's here awesome. and they're going to write with me. Yeah, and, and yeah, people are signing
1: up for that. So, Yay. well, yeah. and we'll drop so, links to this too and we'll connect after about getting awesome. this URL for you. But yeah, we'll definitely put that in the show notes because, um, super valuable. I'm sure a lot of people listening could use, um, that help. So I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, so w- yeah, how's your business structured right now? So I kind of took it in the question, uh, mm-hmm. with the direction of asking if it was free. So where are your income streams coming in? What, what, um, Yeah, what does your business look like? Yeah, so my business right now looks mostly like editing Mm
0: -hmm. um, because that's what I've been doing the longest and that's kind of what people know that I do. Sure. So um, yeah, doing academic editing for people because people really do need that as a service. Oh, yeah. Um, And sometimes it's less editing and kind of more coaching. I was just going to say,
1: what does that package look like? Is it, because I I want to kind of, I like painting the picture of like the different styles and types of businesses Mm -hmm. that we can create. So if you could kind of tell us a little bit about, about how you set that up.
0: Yeah. So for a long time I was like, oh, I'm just an academic editor. Like this mm-hmm. is the only thing I do. And what I realized I was like, oh, cause that's really seasonal. Like, uh, you know, like yeah. everybody like, oh my God, like at the end of the semester, people are like, oh my God, please read my dissertation. Um, I bet. you know, but then there's summer where everybody's they like don't trying want to, talk to write to anybody. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And, yeah, they <laughs> yeah. don't want to talk to people. Yeah. And it, so it's very seasonal. So it's, it's very up and down. Like that roller coaster is pretty extreme. I so I thought, well, where um, where, what other kinds of things can I create that are going to be more sustainable um, that are going to result in? I also wanted things that were more scalable because sure. the problem with editing is that it's not scalable. Nope. You know, it's like me and I charge X amount of dollars per hour yep. and I have X amount of time. So that's not particularly scalable. Editing is also, it can be really lonely and isolating mm. for the reasons that. Writing is yeah. isolating and lonely. Like yeah. it's just you and like this person's text, and oh boy, like for hours and yeah. end sometimes. And you're like, oh boy, I need some other other people. Yeah. So I wanted to do things that were more community based, things that were more scalable, and things that involved, um, yeah, talking to other people a lot more. So I decided to, um, yeah, make the retreats. I decided that was going to be, that was going to be my thing. So that's going to be, I think I'm going to try and run three of them next year. Cool. So yeah, one this year, this is kind of the pilot I've got, I'm planning for July and then I'm planning, um, or yeah july this year and then january next year and june and july next year as well so mm-hmm. three three retreats although spring break might be in there somewhere cuz you know march is crappy in the states yeah. and yeah. it's lovely here so Um, So possibly four. So three to to four retreats next year. Um, I'm also planning to, I'm running a pilot right now, a very small mastermind group Mm. for academic writers. Mm -hmm. So I want to offer that because that, like non-academic writers, I have to tell you, have a lot to teach academic writers about social writing. Yes, They have, there are all kinds of groups and mastermind groups and support groups and meetups and all kinds of things for non-academic writers. And yet somehow or another, academics continue to be like, no, no, I have to do this all alone. I, I, my creative process never involves other people like that is crazy. So I wanted to make a mastermind group. And so I'm running a pilot right now. It's meeting for 12 weeks, once a week. Um, yeah. And it's not even so much about, um, talking about like what people have, like people's writing per se, but talking about their process, what kinds of problems have they encountered, mm-hmm. like to give some sense of structure, accountability, yep. um, how can people in the group help, um, what, what do you need to get writing done this week? Like those kinds of things. So cool. I want to offer that as a paid, um, service. I'd like to run yeah. that. I'd like to do that for 16 weeks in the fall and spring academic calendar, the calendar so yeah, I, yeah, to match that mm-hmm, so, up yep.
1: very cool yep
0: to match that and then um yeah i need to do coaching is something new that i'm mm-hmm, doing although mm-hmm. i've been do as a paid thing i've been doing it for a while just as in different just ways as kind of yeah, yeah in li- and like as an included thing i yep. was like oh yeah you're paying me to read your writing and so sure we should have a conversation yeah. about your process at the same time yep um yeah, that um I'm retooling that. I'm redeveloping the way I want to offer that because that is I'm happy to do some free consultations for people, but then at a certain point like you're leaving money on the table too. Yeah. So, I need to so what I'm working on right now is to figure out like yeah, maybe you have an editing service in which you pay X and then when you pay X, you know, this includes I don't know coaching or doesn't include coaching or maybe a discounted coaching session or yeah depending on what how people want to want want to make that work so yep. yeah doing a
1: couple different different kinds of things very cool. I love it. Thanks for that detail. Because I, I, one thing that I kind of want to highlight about what you're saying, and I've kind of brought this up a couple times too, I think it's important to note the evolution of like starting a business. And, um, and that's the cool thing I think about entrepreneurship and working for yourself um, is you can kind of wake up one day and be like, Oh, like, okay, that doesn't feel that good. Or, or I hit a ceiling and I only have so many hours. So, you know, I either have to raise my prices or, you know, multiply myself um and so i think it's uh kind of i just like kind of highlighting that because um the first, the, the important thing is starting with your skill set and what you enjoy doing and what there is a need for. And then once you start, you know, and that gets validated and people have paid you for that, then you can start to say, okay, what do I love about this? What, what, um, what really helps people? Um, and you realizing that the coaching piece was maybe not what they thought they were buying, but what they need, right? And that's, kind of gets into the marketing stuff but i just kind of want to to go you know and say that like this this process of running a business um i think we as academics at least i find and you know it's probably just like type a kind of personalities in general but it's like we want it we want to do all this research and we want to do it right and we want to you know consume content and like learn everything we can before we like put something out there but it's really that putting something out there and getting paid for it that is like the very first step. And then there's a whole bunch of magic on the other side of that. And, you know, you go down these tunnels that you never even knew were possible. Um, But that first thing, it's like, what are you good at? What would someone pay you for? What do they need help with? And like, how can you make that happen as soon as you can? And then you can start really designing that life that, um, you know, how do you want to spend your day? Um, how, and you, you, you did talk about going into that, um, in order to find your business. But I think the starting with your skills and figuring out what you value and what you enjoy doing, get it out there as fast as possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think what's important there is, is at least as a self employed person, as an entrepreneur person is that you have that flexibility to do that. Like if I look at Yep. my business one day and I'm like, Hey, you know what? It seems like, it seems like there's a thing missing here. Or it seems like clients want this. Mm-hmm. Um, I can build that. Yep. I can build another thing like really fast. Like I don't have to ask people. I don't have to get authorizations from other people. I don't sure. have <laughs> to wait for other people. To <laughs> Curriculum like do committee things. doesn't take two yeah. years. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just decide yeah. one day I'm like, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to build a thing yep. and then I build it and, and then, then it's build great. It. So yeah. yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't like, and then if, it doesn't, you go, well, all right. <sighs> On yeah. to the next thing. You know, it's <laughs> like the next. it's fine. Like yeah, you know, it like really is. so yeah. Yeah. People worry about I think people worry too much about failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and failure, I think, is not actually the thing we have to worry so much about. Um, yeah, because if you, you fail, think, you just do, you do think it again.
1: Academics are a little more prone to that. Um it, it, yeah what do you how has the academy <laughs> f- up no um <laughs> yeah but like really though Legit. like we're like there's something about how you're not supposed to mess up as an academic in some way i it, it, you know and related to dweck's work of like you know you know growth mindset and stuff like this we we tend to it's almost like the academy is built up in in a way that you know obviously does not reward failure of any kind however well you could maybe argue that like oh failing and like scientific research is is awesome because then you know what it's not or whatever. But there's still something about being a perfect student that I think is ingrained in a lot of us. So I don't know if you want to speak to maybe some of the mindset stuff. It sounds like you were a little bit of a rebel already within the academy being like, I'm not adjuncting. Like, this is what I want to do. I love I'm passionate about this subject. But if you could talk about some of the the Hard uh, things that you've had to unlearn moving from the oh, yeah. academy into entrepreneurship. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, failure. People are terrified of it. Yeah. Terrified. Yeah. I mean, because we're all kind of like these overachieving people, yeah. and we think that we shouldn't ever try and do something unless success is we guaranteed. We know we can do it. Yeah, and <laughs> that I think is crippling. It I is. think that's absolutely mm-hmm. crippling. It cripples your creativity. It cripples your ability to try new stuff. Mm. Um, it is. It is shocking to me the extent to which people will not take risk. Yeah, because they they're just terrified that something's going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I think what's great about entrepreneurship is you really have to get you over to. that. <laughs> to, to <laughs> and like, like, yeah, <laughs> you have to fail to actually be good at business, is what I'm, yeah, I'm thinking. too. You really, too. really yeah. do. I mean, yep. like there's been a couple times, like I put out like products or services and people are like, uh eh, no. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, all right. Cool. Um and then you have to figure out a new thing. And that's it's fine. Yeah. Like it's actually okay. Like I'm still okay. Like nothing has <laughs> had like nothing bad happened to me because these products failed like legitimately like mm-hmm. i'm still okay as a person um so there's that i also think there is and i've written a, a lot about this on my blog um about learned helplessness mm. like which Ooh. has been really yes. shocking to to think about because when i got out when i finally i i conceded defeat on the academic job market yeah. yep and I was like, oh my God, like, what can I do? I don't know. I just don't, I just, well, there's nothing else I can there's do. nothing all, else, yeah. All I am is teaching and service Oof. and research. That's the only thing I can do. And at a certain point, like you you know, you could use your own personal agency to change things. Mm -hmm. But people so often, because they're stuck, like that, that's just what they've come to believe about themselves. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. And they will not take steps to change that, even though they could. And so it's been really shocking to me. I wrote on my blog, um, one of the most surprising things to me post in the in kind of my post PhD life was to find out that I wasn't powerless.
1: Like yeah. because yeah.
0: graduate school, I think, so often teaches us that you know you yes. you have no you know you really have no agency within yeah. the structure within Your the power, system. Within we this. we
1: literally give our power to the institution. Yeah. Like at almost yeah. every aspect of the journey, yeah,
0: yeah. People really do. I yep. mean, I was I was talking to someone the other day who's adjuncting and who is unhappy with adjuncting for all the reasons that adjuncts all the very legitimate <laughs> mm-hmm. reasons that adjuncts are unhappy with their situations, and that that's t- so real. Yep, and yet. I said, "Well, why don't you do something else?" And and she said, oh, "Well, I can't." Yeah. I was like, "You ha- you are a person with a PhD and an mm-hmm. able body. Mm-hmm. Like you are joking me mm-hmm. if you if you don't think you can do something else with mm-hmm. your life. That mm-hmm. I I don't I reject that. I don't believe that." Mm. So, I think there's a lot of you really have to figure out like how to take back your power and be a powerful yep. person and be an agent for change in your life because if you're going to do, if you're just going to sit around sit on your hands and complain that you can't use them, like you're not getting anywhere. Mm. So it's like, it's those. And I think it's like taking that it's taking creative risk. I think that gets us to where we need to be, but we don't want to do it because we're so afraid of failure. Mm. So it becomes kind of this vicious circle. And I think at a certain point you just, I mean, maybe you have to get really uncomfortable in life to be like, okay, I'm going to make change.
1: Yeah, But yeah,
0: yeah, you have to be able to be willing and able to make change in your life to, to move out of kind of like this, this very limited academic space. If you're, you know, if you're leaving the academy, Mm -hmm. if you've decided that it's not for you, like you kind of have to learn how to do something other than service and teaching and research. And of course you're more than that, but we we come to believe that we're very limited in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think a big part of reclaiming your life and after your PhD is really learning to
1: take back your power. Ooh, that's the line that's coming out on the quote thing <laughs> that was good <laughs> well and uh, you know so much I, I've been unpacking my own shit. like that's the other thing um and the most recent interview I just did, because it's, it's lovely how they all like wind together. But, you know, it was it was with a, a psychologist and she does coaching and transformation coaching and, um, you know, so much of what she was saying around what entrepreneurship does for ourselves, like how it's a like a return to myself that I wasn't getting in the academy. Um, and it's like, you know, personal development on like steroids. It is, you know what I mean? Because like all the things we're talking about, right? Like you're face to face with your own shit. pretty much every day. Like, do you want to make money today? Cool. You're gonna have to ask somebody for money. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so there's so many parts of it that is just so different from, you know, the academic world. And like, one of the big things I am still processing um, is, is this external validation that I've been searching for, like, and there's so much of that that is tied into your grades, and then the next professor, and then the dissertation committee, and then the tenure review and then the job and like you have so many different points where it's someone else judging you based on some standard or set of expectations set probably by a white guy said you know what i mean like and so we're <laughs> sitting here going wait what are we doing this for like why are we complicit or why are we also just like just being like oh it is what it is this is the way it is and that's so much of what i hear yeah exactly your identity is tied to this job wait I have to find something else. I don't know what that looks like. There's, there's no options even like demonstrated to you at any point in the journey. It's like, go to the next level. You want to unlock the next level. This is what you have to do. And these are our standards for it, right? So that is damaging. So damaging.
0: It really is. I think there's been so much. Like, for me, like, it's been really, like, I'm so much more comfortable with who I am, Mm. like, right now than I ever was in graduate school. Like, I felt like graduate school was all about, um, oh, there were some destructive people in graduate school who you know there are a million people in academia who are willing to tell you how much your ideas suck totally um and not just your (laughs) ideas just to make themselves
1: feel better typically exactly most of the time your ideas don't suck most of the time oh
0: yeah Yeah. and i mean not not even just your ideas but also you as a person Mm. you know and like trying to deal with that all the time is really difficult um and so what i've found really running a business is i'm like okay like here's who i am here's what i do if you want to work with me like fantastic yeah like that's wonderful i I really love that, and I'm mm. excited to work with you. If you don't want anything to do with me, you know totally what? Move cool. along. Yeah, it's it's
1: fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yep. Oh, huge, big stuff there. So, what what are, what would you say have been some of your biggest hurdles that you've had to get through in running a mm. business? And I, you know, it's obviously an ongoing process. But what are some of your? um challenges that you've had and ways that you've overcome them have you uh hired a coach or like is there are there where are you really getting support in in building your business too
0: yeah so i'm getting support in community mm-hmm. i am building all the time and building community i'm constantly calling up random strangers and being like hi you seem interesting maybe we should talk mm-hmm. because that's i mean i just I, love that. Find, I just find people all over the internet where i'm yeah. like oh my god like you're doing an amazing thing and i would like to know more about that yeah i would like to know and not even like just for my own personal gratification but it's more like how can we help each other Mm. like you seem to be doing the cool thing i'm doing the cool thing like how do we help each other do more cool things yeah so like getting community has been really key for me and like understanding that yeah like we're i mean i think if we're gonna get through this like and i think we're in this real moment of transition in the academy for all different kinds of reasons i mean it's um Oh boy there's so much I, I, yeah yeah, there's so much to say there, but um I, I think we're we're in this really critical moment, yep, but if we're gonna get through that, I think we're going to do that in community, like yep. we're not going to do that through this like neoliberal like hyper individualism no. no. like we, you know we ha all have the freedom to be uber drivers, you know, yep. but should we yeah, um probably not, yep, so i th- I really think we're we're getting through this like together, mm. so i think if if I had advice to give to anybody yeah, who is just starting Starting out, find your tribe. Like yeah. find your people. Call random strangers. Take some risks. Make a community because you're going to need those people.
1: I love that you're bringing this up because what I what has been a contrast for me with the academy and and being in uh, the business world now or whatever, which I kind of dove in with both feet last year. And now I'm coming back to like, (laughs) the integrated self that I can be both an academic and an entrepreneur, hence the Mm -hmm. podcast. (laughs) But um, this idea that, you know, networking, quote, unquote, networking, like, and what it's like at a business converse conference versus like an academic conference, and this idea of community, um, not that it was missing in academia, it's not missing, it's not encouraged. Um, It's not you know, fostered, it, there's, there's lots of things, like, especially if you're a full time or an adjunct person, like the workload is just it, literally more things keep getting added all the time and not more hours, right? And not more pay usually. So it's hard to find space for ourselves. And, um, but in entrepreneurship, what's cool about it is like, you know, connecting with other people could turn into the, the most beautiful opportunity or just, you know, Uh, fork in the road. And I always felt that going to an academic conference was always about me feeling like I was on trial or like, can can you prove that you know something about your topic or whatever? Like, it always felt like that. And, you know, granted, this is me as a grad student and then an early tenure track professor, really just, you know, uncomfortable with my own stuff, right? Like me as an academic, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I haven't been doing it for 20 years. But business conferences like you go to these spaces and it's like you know the next conversation could change your life like there's and like that's (laughs) not and so there's so much and that's what's cool is like I and it's almost like I've made faster friends in this space and online and then in person it feels like I know them and they're my best friend because of the social aspect of the internet and so there is what you're bringing up is I think you're talking about this transition is what happens when, um, you know, this kind of environment is, is really actually a part of the academy? And they've been dealing with that for a long time. It's not like that's new. Like, what is social media doing to, to universities and education and all of that? But there's something about, you know, the, there's positives that can come out of this, but there's also some things we need to be careful of. But just bringing up this idea of, uh, people are open to friending people online and it's it's not as scary as we're making it seem and um, there's so much growth that happens in reaching out to someone randomly and being I like your sh-. And they're like, Oh, I like your shit too. Like, when do we walk up to an academic and really say that it's always like, you know, we're like listening to their argument. And you're like, Oh, that's good. And then like, it's like inner critic turns on, Oh, they probably want help. Right. So like, it's always, it's never like, you're awesome. Like rarely. I don't know. So
0: yeah, I think, I think you bring it. I mean, that has been, that's been my experience. Uh-huh. It's like, um, so much like I'd go to my annual meeting and so much of it was like, you know, people like kind of looking over your your shoulder to see if there's somebody more important standing uh, behind you. Yes. You're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, but I was, let's see, I tweeted the other day. I was like, what I so appreciate about my community right now mm. is just its generous spirit. Mm. Like I'm always having these great conversations with people, yeah. people I don't even know. In which we're like, they're like, how can I support you in what you're doing? And how do we help each other? And I'm like, that is amazing. Like, that was so missing for me in the Academy. And it's so... It's just—I mean—I collaborate with people in all kinds of new ways. I've talked to people about like guest posting on my blog and guest yep. posting on their blog, and like doing like a joint venture or webinar or exactly. a, I do don't know—a class together or like, hey, let's make this cool thing and like let's do that. Like the with a PhD chat, like Christy yeah. and I do that together, and we yeah. were both like equal parts of that. And I—I'm always really honored to do that with her because it's awesome, and we learn so yeah. much, and we learn a lot from each other.
1: Yeah, I love that you're bringing this up because. Um, um, it's so true and I don't think I've ever had anyone like really kind of nail it in that Way, you know, I remember When I was first like kind of quote unquote, like learning how to network as a, as a business owner, it's like, yeah, it's, you can make everything a win-win. How can this be a win-win? This is how you mm-hmm. reach out to this influencer. Like, because most people are just trying to run their business, right? They want, <laughs> they want to be seen, right? They want to be able to help more people. And so, you know, approaching someone and being like, Hey, oh my gosh, are things like could totally serve each other's audiences because everyone's trying to, help their tribe like you were bringing up like their community um and you know it doesn't have to always be you right like and so this bringing in other people or 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 creating something together where like in the academy it, you know yes you could do a joint research project but like whose name got to be the first one <laughs> yeah like, like, that's I important mean, it just yeah and that's the kind of sh- that like equaled collaboration, right? Or the overworked, you know, committee work and stipend work where the same people are working together because they know they can work together, but they're overworked. And, and, you know, and it's just so different in this space. So different. Yeah, there's this just feeling of, wow, this could really help both of us and our communities. So like, why wouldn't I? Yeah, it's been
0: really great. And like, I have, I have now reached out to more strangers than Mm. I can even count. I'm constantly calling people. I'm constantly like bumping it, like bumping into people online that I'm like, oh my God, like your stuff is amazing here. Let's like have a conversation about it. Um, I have talked to more total strangers than ever. I literally, I think I have been turned down twice. Like yeah, just twice, and yeah. and like one was a legit reason, and like one was a weirdo. So I like I
1: think that's... <laughs> you got to filter out the weirdos. Right? They're there, like, I, you know, if you're a
0: weirdo, <laughs> like I don't want to talk to you anyways. So um, like, really, but like of all the people I've ever reached out to, and I'm like, hey, like, can we do an informational interview, or like, mm. let's talk about our business, or let's talk about your business, or,
1: um, everybody has said yes. Like, yeah. and it's it's just mind blowing so good and yeah and that yeah i would say this is one of my favorite um parts about about being an entrepreneur i i the, the conferences are awesome by the way <laughs> like there's so much more fun um good food oh lots my, of free sh- oh my god um, the open bar the open bar i mean there's just there's so many fun things um it's just such a fun game um yeah so that's cool and i you know i think that's part of it too is like you can kind of find your people so you kind of brought this up right you can you can sense when someone is off like Mm -hmm. not a match for like who you are like what they're up to or you're not quite sure they're in integrity yeah (laughs) absolutely and that happens
0: too like sometimes you just like i don't know i've talked to people where it's like we don't totally click like i'm interested in their thing but we don't totally click and yeah that's, that's okay
1: that's totally like, that cool. Is, like yeah.
0: nobody's losing in that situation. Like, what, maybe you lose like half an hour of your day. Like, eh, that's no big deal. But you know, you've talked to someone, you put yourself out there. They now know who you are. You now know about their thing. And it's, I mean, I think that's a win. Like, regardless. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because there's so. I mean, that's the cool part about this. Is it's there's so many people out there. There's so many. Well, it's like two things. First of all, it feels a little bit like a bubble. Um, And maybe we can talk about that, kind of. But the other thing is, there's just so many... There are so many people online, right? Um, But the bubble thing, I think sometimes I feel like oh I like know everybody or here's the same person again and or or whatever or it's like it's um, it can feel a little like people are selling things to the other we're just selling each other's things to each other Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the flip side of it is like this isn't going to go away likely Mm -hmm. and it's probably going to get bigger and so uh, think about how many people aren't you know involved in buying stuff online at this point and Mm so or knowing like think of all the grad students who have no idea you exist Lisa Mm -hmm right mm-hmm. and it's like there that's the the cool part about it is it's just this this open um field of people that you can help and some of those people aren't going to fit you but a lot of them will
0: yeah and i think there's also like there's something about i've i've had co- different conversations with people about this too there is something about being an academic and having a business focused on academics as, uh-huh. as clients, is, like, yes. Let's
1: talk about this. <laughs> it's
0: great in certain ways because you know those people so well. Like mm-hmm. you're like you are my people. Like I yep. know what you need. Like intrinsically, I know what you need better than you know what you need. Um, and that, and there is nothing wrong with that as a business nope. model. On the other hand, I think it is. I think we have to do more thinking and talking about the fact that we're still contributing to this very kind of exploitative labor system, Mm. which is now, um, yeah, we're, we're still, we're still tied to that in certain ways. Like my labor, like makes it possible for, um, yeah, senior faculty to sound awesome in writing. Yeah, Um, you know, and that's, um, hmm. It's like, yeah, like we're
1: not changing the structure. Right, of, right Yeah, Like, definitely. you know, not I call myself like anything. a
0: non-academic, but like I have this business that's focused on academics. So mm-hmm. like, am I really a non-academic? Like, have I really cut those ties? Or is what I'm doing like taking place still within this frame of oppression? Um, mm-hmm. And that I'm a little bit disturbed about. Like I, I can, I come back to that idea frequently and I'm kind of wrestling with it still. Sure, sure. So I really want to eventually, I want to be shifting even further towards, um, yeah, directing my services towards non-academics, because I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we get suckered into thinking we can only serve academic audiences. And I think Mm. that's not true. I mean, I think there is an entire world out there who could benefit from people's teaching, people's research, people's ability to translate complex concepts. Um, there is a whole world of people out there that who are not academics and who could really use what we do. And I think yes. I think we've got to figure out how to talk to those people better
1: and yep. yeah, design services that they can use too. So I love that you're bringing this up. And I was not expecting it to go this way. But it's like, oh, my gosh. So I've noticed this pattern. So I've interviewed probably, um, at this point, probably 25 people, maybe near 30. And um, it's been cool to see how there are academics that are filling the gaps that our institutions aren't providing, right? Um, a lot of it tied to mental health, I think. And, um, so, you know, part of me is like, yes, <laughs> more please, because we know who's being left behind. Um, in, and so I think you're, Yes, we should totally complicate this because if we're not really challenging the way the system is set up, then we're just actually it's a bandaid or, you know, who can afford to hire a coach for writing? I mean, we can go into this, right? Uh, I felt the same way about hiring a dissertation coach. I'm like, you know, who gets to do that? Right. And to think about the underrepresented populations that don't finish their PhD. Right. And like, so so all of that (laughs) comes with us as we are (laughs) like in business and making that impact. But um, what's, what's kind of fascinating is this is a new space for me, this like integration of both the academic and Mm -hmm. the entrepreneur. And there are people doing things that have don't touch academics. And in fact, that was I built my business doing that I actually thought, in my head, um, when I did this, you know, two years ago is is when my business started in July is when I got my first like paying client so coming up on two years. And I actually felt like I was abandoning the institution. Mm-hmm. And I actually was like, having this identity crisis of like, I'm a I, am aiii don't even know, like, uh, I didn't do it right. Or there or or what would my dissertation advisor think? Or what would my colleagues think? Like, I'm not doing the work anymore. Um, and it felt like I was selling out that word came up. In my head when I was doing this, so I've spent the last you know year and a half really just being like, I guess you know maybe I was like this all the time, <laughs> like maybe I didn't fit in there either. Um, but I'm coming back to myself and realizing that. There are a bunch of other people like me who've made this decision. Um, And why wouldn't we start with the thing that we know how to do really well? And why wouldn't we serve the people that we know how to serve really well as a starting point? Um, and so, yes, I think that's and that's the power of an academic who can who is in control of their resources and their income. Right. Is because. We can comp like complicate this shit and be like, what isn't working in this institution? Like, how can I support people who who are staying there with now more resources than I've ever had before? And you know, particularly monetary, but then time as a resource that um, I'm more in control of. And so, I think I think we have to keep asking these questions, and I think we also have to keep showing up as all of us, like as, as the whole self, um, that has, has, has a degree and, you know, you know, loves PayPal dings every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. You know what
1: I mean? So, and I, so I wrestle, I just want to just, I don't know, just be like, yeah, I'm with you on this because that's something that we're, we're, we're solving the symptoms. Like as Mm -hmm. an academic entrepreneur, we know the symptoms, the, the pain, um, like, yes, we, and, and I don't want academics to not be helping, um, you know, mothers finish their tenure and like get, you know, get tenure and write because that's such a needed thing. Like the, you know, female representation, like in the, you know, so, but, but it's still maintaining the patriarchal, you know, way that it's set up that that doesn't allow women to feel safe and and uh you know and have a family and uh, oh my gosh I mean we could go on about this but um I'm glad you brought it up because I I don't think I've had anyone actually name it like you just did um because because I think you are coming I I think we're in a little bit of a different circle and and so part of me is actually even thinking right now um Do you find that you have been meeting a lot of people that have academic businesses? I don't even know if that's a Mm -hmm. thing, but like versus like for me I actually I was coming in totally the opposite. I know like very few people I interacted with either a admitted that they had a PhD or were a professor or at any point did an advanced degree and then I started to realize like I kind of hit it and I I was like hiding that as a part of my identity like oh you like you said you're not an academic anymore. Um but then I was like well Am I like, can I be that still not being a part of the Academy? Well, me, well, no, technically not because the word academic actually means of the institution or whatever, but so anyways, uh, yeah, you're helping me process my <laughs> shit right now. So what you, <laughs> are, Happy uh, to be, help. would you say, are you around a lot of people that have academic businesses? Is that where you're seeing a lot of people you are connecting with and community with? Yeah,
0: I think I, I think I know, I think that just because of w- the work that I do, I think I. Know Know a lot of people who are doing kind of what Similar I'm doing, threads. you know. It's like, yeah. And at a certain point, like, you know, we're all. I mean, like, so my website says historian, writer, editor. Like, mm. at a certain point, like, we're all writers and editors, right? We're yeah. all researchers, <laughs> yeah. writers, editors. We're all public educators. Like, you know, mm. like these are our, this is a skill set. But so, what I want to yes. shift more towards is like, what are things? What is work that only I could be doing? Specifically me, mm. like, mm. what is the unique thing that, that about me that you bring that mm-hmm. I bring that I can monetize? And mm-hmm. that is like, not just like that really limited skill set. So, yeah. yeah, So one of the things that I think that I do that I'm hoping to build on in the future. So just because of my background, um, dealing with, um, victims of state sponsored violence Mm. in Guatemala Mm -hmm. and then the crime victim advocacy stuff, and then my own personal experiences in life. Um, like I have this whole background in, I, I mean, I understand people's traumas in ways that they don't understand them. Sometimes yep. like, yep. like I yep. really have this very deep, um, kind of, I don't know, just this intuition about people's traumas. Like I can, mm. and I can talk to people about that on a very deep mm-hmm. level. Like people's trauma doesn't make me uncomfortable and it doesn't mm. scare me. So yeah. That's yeah. huge. Like I can talk to people about that. So I'm like, okay, so like maybe in the future, I'm running a writing retreat that's about people focused yeah, on that's more focused on writing, um, people writing about their trauma and healing. Yeah. Like maybe, yep. maybe that's how that goes. Cause maybe that's, oh, maybe that. that's the bigger service. Yes. Um, I'm also, um, I'm adopted. And so child welfare is something that's mm. really, really important to me. Um, just yep. trying to make more equitable child welfare systems that actually oh, serve children as a opposed to serving adults.
1: I have a connection for you. Okay. Me. Oh excellent. So <laughs> an yes. entrepreneur. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So
0: that's something I would really like to be doing is like, okay, like what can I offer? Like my own personal understanding of my mm. situation and then kind of the the situations of like I was writing this morning about um orphan tourism. And I was like, ooh, mm. like I need to talk to people about Whoa, this yes. on a much bigger scale because this ooh. is such a serious issue. Like this is, this is a serious thing. Like, you know, children shouldn't be trafficked into orphanages just for the gratification of strangers who like pay a lot of money to come hang out with them. Like mm. that shouldn't be a thing. Um, yeah. and so like, you know, how, so that's something I know about and something I really have mm. strong feelings about. So like, how do I make that into like a thing, you know, maybe, and maybe that's like public speaking, or maybe that's, maybe oh, I'm yeah. writing about that. Maybe this is mm-hmm. the next book. Maybe this, you know, I don't know what that looks like yet, but that's kind of the, those are kind of the directions that I want to I want to keep going.
1: I love this. So I'm so glad we're talking about this, because part of what I feel like our conversation is really nailing down today is that like, we we have we have this joint experience of going through the academic space, right? But now we're in the land of entrepreneurship. And and this is how I felt when I first left. As well, or I first started making decisions that that made me okay with being like, oh, I'm not just this like degree or this identity of professor. Wh- And the step was, oh my gosh, it's like infinite. Like the possibilities are infinite. And the opposite is how I felt in the academy, where it was like, oh, this is how far you can go on the step schedule or whatever, and how much money you'll make in how many years. And then you have to go and sit at a table and beg for 1% increases. I was on the negotiating team. So uh, that was a part of my experience. So, but, but then it's like, it's literally all of us that gets to show up, I guess. And like, and I think the idea that we can, uh, build a livelihood and a life that, um, allows our intersecting identities to, uh, share a story that can help other people in some way. And like, and then you, in that you can make money doing that, which was something I have, and still overcoming as well. I think monetizing and like, is an interesting part of of the teaching journey that I am trying to also unlearn but that 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 you can be paid for that kind of labor um and so i think uh, you know yeah your the theme of today's episode is really about your your values um the things you cared about when you were going through the academy the things that you experienced as a kid and the things you've experienced your whole life are all a beautiful web of something that can be packaged for someone else that can help someone move through usually something... bad or whatever or some some experience that they're trying to process and and community right which is what you were definitely highlighting this whole time is really how we do that because we we can deeply learn and um, uh, be in you know community with other people who have similar experiences or just a little bit different experiences and how that sheds light on who we are and that's what we get to do in entrepreneurship that is is really missing in the academy I felt like I got it a lot of times with my students Students and the work I did in the classroom, but that was it. And that's where that's and that's another common thread is the classroom part, the like the teaching part was what we had control over in m- most cases. Um, and so that it's like, how could I make my classroom lecture that I loved or my classroom experience teaching be my every my life and then that's where I feel like I'm at with entrepreneurship it's like oh that excitement and joy that I felt in that you know hour with my students what if my life was that yeah, um, absolutely and so I love that so I think like you're you bringing up these other p- hidden, like I don't know if they're hidden parts of us but they're the deeper parts of us that when someone gets to know you knows about you right so what if that was what we we were leading with and i think you as a writer and having a blog um that's a big part of the work you're already doing in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And i think i think i get to i think as a as a kind of a non-academic um i get to i think i get to be, bring kind of a fuller sense of myself mm-hmm. to my work. I get to mm-hmm. i'm interested in a lot more things than i ever yep. got to be like i don't Ooh. have to i don't have to have like one thing that i no. focus on for the rest of my life and I, I'm nope. interested in a lot of different things and how do I how do I bring those together in a way that serves mm. people so I think that's I think that's really I think that's really key is to bring all of all of ourselves to what we're doing and it's it can be a really I don't know. I think it can be really creative. I think it can be very, um, mm-hmm. it's not, entrepreneurship is somehow not less intellectual. Like you still have to Good figure point. stuff yep. out all the time. Um, oh. <laughs> like all the time. Yeah. You're always having to think about some stuff. Um, you're always having to learn more stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I will never at any point be like, "Whoo! Well, thank God, I know I know everything there is to know about marketing. <laughs> no. All done.
1: No, like, like no. at no
0: point is that going to happen." So, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it's it's for me, it's like learning like external stuff, like how to how to do mm-hmm. business, how to have a business, and then also mm-hmm. learning a lot of internal stuff, like okay, like here's who I am in life, here's my story, I'm standing in it. I accept my whole story and I'm doing mm-hmm. this and then how how is that story like how do I use parts of those stories that story to yep. to help people
1: Yep boom and there we have it <laughs> Yeah I I I think yeah I mean I've loved this conversation today it's been it's been definitely you're you you brought up things that i think i didn't realize i wasn't thinking about so um so thank you for that thank you for showing up and and uh sharing all of this stuff with me because and with my audience because i i do think um there's there's definitely stuff we're all unpacking i think as we go through as an academic does right (laughs) You know, we could sit and uh, <laughs> overthink things all day, um, which is why I love it. Um, part of why I love finding this community and just being like, oh, yeah, like what does an academic in business actually look like? Um, and yeah, it's it spans lots of different stuff. And I think and that's what's so cool about it is is all of our backgrounds, the reasons why we did the degree, what we studied, um, you know, is all, uh, you know, informing the choices we're making in business and uh, how we're showing up online and our insecurities, the things that come up for us that, you know, some of it is related to what we experienced in the Academy and, you know, the trauma of it in many cases. Um, So, yeah. So thank you so much. So I'd love for you to share where people can find you. I know we've uh, definitely talked about, you know, some of your offerings and stuff, which we'll definitely collect and and put in the show notes. But where are you hanging out the most? It sounds like Twitter. I'm definitely on Twitter. Like, if
0: you need the fastest response, like, tweet me. That's absolutely. So I'm I'm at um, double L-M-U-N-R-O.
1: Perfect. Yay. And she hosts the with a PhD, with the PhD, um, chat. Twa- Twitter chat. Yep. When does that happen? Yep. That's happen again? usually
0: on Mondays. I think we're shooting for next Monday at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, yeah. So I'm there. I'm on my website. I have a blog. Um, yeah. I'm on Perfect. the I'm on the internet. I'm a person on yep. the internet. <laughs> that's,
1: I am doing the internet yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. My mother's like,
0: do you have any, do you have real friends? I was like, no, just a lot of people I know <laughs> on the internet.
1: I know. It's not funny, but then they're like some of the closest people. I, know, I think right? it's just, we can filter, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing, you know? Like, of course the internet is going to bring you some really tight people because... You know, we all have shared interests and we're finding each other. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks,
0: Lisa. Thank you. I'm so excited I got to do this today and got to talk to you.